This is Paul Edwards, and I'm president of the Braille Revival League. And along with Judy Wilkinson, we'd like to welcome you to the joint session of LUA, which is Library Users of America, and the Braille Revival League. And we're also jointly sponsored by Friends in Art. So we are very happy to have all of you here. And Judy, would you like to say a few words of welcome? But Judy always wants to say a few words of welcome. We really are delighted to have everybody here with us. I'm just going to remind everybody that if you register for this event, you will be eligible for the door prizes, which we will be giving with the help of Alexa to give me a number, random number for you. We will be giving some door prizes at the end of the convention. So if you haven't registered as a Lua participant, please do uh, call the Minneapolis office and join BRL and LUA and FIA. Register for them. It and register for them. Exactly. Right. exactly. You won't just, just to clarify, that doesn't get you to be a member. You have to do that separately. No, that is right. That You're a member for the convention. That's right. But you didn't come here to hear, listen to Paul or me. You came to listen and speak with Aaron Jones, who gave a wonderful presentation this morning. So one of the things that the narrator often does, and that I've asked Aaron to do, is to read a little bit, and that didn't happen this morning. Without further ado, let's welcome and listen to a little bit of reading from Aaron Jones. Hello, thank you for having me again today, this afternoon. I had decided something to read just in case, because I know it is. Ohio convention I went to, I was asked to read. And it was actually some um, Robert Penn Warren poems. And I just love him because he's a Kentuckian and he's so beautiful with words and he's a nature lover. But I went ahead and pulled out something that I actually recorded for NLS several years ago now, which is Anna Karenina, (laughs) which um, I was working with an editor who I worked very well with back then. and, And it was a massive undertaking. It really felt important. And because of our production volume and speed, we don't really have time to sit and discuss the book and what we feel about the book and the plot and the characters. But Aaron and I would try to squeeze in time. His name was Aaron, too. We try to squeeze in time outside of session to uh, meet and talk about this book because we had so many thoughts on it. And uh, one little joke we had, he's a uh, mandolin player and well, multi-string instrument player. And uh, we were working on the book for maybe three months. And um, we kept passing each other in the hall outside of session and saying, I hear the train is coming. (laughs) 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 That's just a little uh, icebreaker backstory, but I'm actually reading a pretty serious section, just a page, a little over a page, Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy. Alexei Alexandrovich's pinched face acquired a suffering expression. He took her hand and wanted to say something, but was quite unable to speak. His lower lip trembled, but he kept struggling with his agitation and only occasionally glanced at her. And each time he glanced at her, he saw her eyes, which looked at him with such moved and rapturous tenderness as he had never seen in them before. Wait. You don't know. Wait, wait, all of you. She stopped, as if trying to collect her thoughts. Yes, she began. Yes, yes, yes. This is what I wanted to say. Don't be surprised at me. I'm the same. The 
There is another woman in me. I'm afraid of her. She fell in love with that man, and I wanted to hate you and couldn't forget the other one who was there before. The one who was not me. Now I'm real. I'm whole. I'm dying now. I know I'll die. Ask him. I feel weights now. Here they are. On my hands, my feet, my fingers. My fingers are like this. Enormous. But it will all end soon. There's one thing I need. Forgive me. Forgive me completely. I'm terrible, but my nanny told me. That holy martyr, what was her name? She was worse. I'll go to Rome, too. There are deserts there. And then I won't bother anybody. I'll take only Seryoja and my little girl. No, you can't forgive me. I know this can't be forgiven. No, no, go away. You're too good. With one hot hand, she held his hand. And with the other, she pushed him away. Alexei Alexandrovich's inner disturbance kept growing and now reached such a degree that he ceased to struggle with it. He suddenly felt that what he had considered an inner disturbance was, on the contrary, a blissful state of soul, which suddenly gave him a new, previously unknown happiness. He was not thinking that the Christian law, which he had wanted to follow all his life, prescribed that he forgave and love his enemies. But the joyful feeling of love and forgiveness of his enemies filled his soul. He knelt down, and placing his head on the crook of her arm, which burned him like fire through her jacket, sobbed like a child. She embraced his balding head, moved closer to him, and raised her eyes with defiant pride. Here he is. I knew it. Now goodbye, Paul. Goodbye. Again they've come. Why don't they go away? And do take these fur coats off me. The doctor took her arms away, carefully laid her back on the pillow, and covered her shoulders. She lay back obediently and gazed straight ahead of her with radiant eyes. Remember one thing. That all I need is forgiveness, and I want nothing more, nothing. Why doesn't he come, she said, addressing Vronsky through the door. Come here, talk, give him your hand. Vronsky came to the side of the bed, and seeing her, again covered his face with his hands. Uncover your face, look at him. He's a saint, she said. No, uncover it, uncover your face, she said crossly. Alexei Alexandrovich, answer his face. I want to see him. Alexei Alexandrovich took Vronsky's hands and drove them away from his face, terrible in the expression of suffering and shame that was on it. Give him your hand. Forgive him. That's all. Amazing. That was that was quite excellent. That was well, quite she's excellent. not quite dead yet at this point. <laughs> <laughs>
Really fascinating book. My monitor and I afterwards kept saying, you know, this, uh, the subplot uh, is actually the more interesting part of the book with the brother-in-law of Anna Karenina. Uh, it's vast. I mean, it's just, it's got, the book's got so much in it. But, you know, she's a complicated character, and this is her on her deathbed, and she's wanting to be forgiven by her husband and have her husband forgive her lover. And she's losing her mind as she's dying. So it's an um, mm-hmm. iconic scene. And then, of course, the scene at the end with the train. Yes. Um, but there's also so many wonderful scenes with the uh, the Russian peasants. And what's the name of the character? I'm blanking on the name of the brother-in-law. It's got wonderful subplots that have a lot more. It, I think sometimes when books become such icons, it may be stops people from reading them <laughs> because they're like, oh, I, I know what that is. That's about the lady who had the affair and she threw some, I guess, yeah, I'm, spoiler alert. It's actually, <laughs> it's actually one of my favorite books. I, I, I really enjoyed it when I read it. I really enjoyed oh, yeah. your reading of it in time. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Miss Monica, let's take some yes. questions. Sure, we can. Can I just ask one question before we begin? Erin, how many books have you read for, for NLS in your 20 years? I'm not 100% sure. I know when I have to search the catalog, it says 1,204, but I'm sure it's less than that because they have duplicate uh, the digital copy and the perhaps tape copy. Oh, so, so it might sure. be only 1,150 or something like that. In, in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you. That's amazing. Okay, I know. I, I, people right. never believe me when I tell them how many books I've read. I'll, I'll say over 500 just to be on the safe side, and people go, no way. <laughs> okay, okay. let's open it for questions. question is Ralph. Ralph, yeah. Ralph is a board member of both Lua and BRL. Aaron, it was a delight to, to listen to you this morning, and uh, thank you for joining us for this afternoon presentation. Being from the South as well, uh, my question is, when you run across the word either, with E-I-T-H-E-R, most narrators say either, and uh, that has always bothered me, being from the South, because, you know, when you, when you hear a bad guy say, well, we're not going either, you know, it seems as though they would say either. So do you, have you run across that before? Absolutely. We have to keep real track of that because I feel the same way. Okay. And you can hear the Southern, you can hear my eyes. So, you know, I'm here in Kentucky. Uh, right. I, um, I say either in my personal speech, uh, wh- what I will do is it will depend on the material. If I'm reading something contemporary or particularly something from the South or something urban, I, I for sure will say either. But if it's something, um, you know, older taking place at in the past or something chiefly British, then I'll, I'll say either. But we ha- that's another thing. Our, our editors keep track. You said either. You said either. You said either. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. <laughs> so, Ralph, thanks for your question. The next person is Diana Scalzi. Erin, it's, it's wonderful to uh, meet you. First of all, I have a couple of questions and a, a comment. Um, the books that I... The books that probably have stuck with me the most that you read were the um, Hunger Games series. And everything yeah. about those books just gave me the heebie-jeebies. And, you know, I'm thinking, well, 
no, this could never happen in real life, or could it? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that that's my comment. My question is, who decides what you read for NLS, number one? And number two, do you, uh, how long do you get to read a book first and familiarize with yourself with it before you record it? I, I know that it used to be at our studio, and it may still be the same, actually at APH that there is a book committee comprised of a couple of monitor editors and narrators who kind of look through the books and will say, used to look through the books that came in and would say, uh, this is appropriate for Mitzi, this is appropriate for Bruce, this is appropriate for Aaron, that sort of thing. So there would be a kind of consensus decision at APH. I know there were times in the past where NLS would say, you know, let Aaron read this. Uh, I don't think that happens anymore. I'm pretty sure that doesn't happen anymore. Um, but at APH now, I think it's mostly just our studio director, uh, with probably with the help of a uh, editor who's been there for a long time named, named Todd Hassan. And uh, they'll just kind of check with each other to, to, to see which narrator might, you know, be best suited for each book. And uh, you, we, we still, even though we're now doing EPUB uh, books, uh, which is great for um, reading on the screen. I, I have never really experienced that until now, reading on the screen while you record. Um, but um, we, our production is very, very fast. So I will sometimes only have four days to look at a book before I have a chance to um, get in the studio and start recording. Uh, in the old days, sometimes if it was a major big work, I'd get a heads up. Like I got a heads up. I knew when Anna Karenina was coming into the building and I actually went to Steve and said, I know it's here and I want to read it. <laughs> and, um, and luckily he said, yes. Um, but uh, I, I think uh, I, I, I didn't mention, um, I did a uh, book on a French Russian writer named Irene Nemirovsky. She unfortunately died in the Holocaust and, um, but she was a very prolific writer, born in Russia, wrote in French. And, um, she, uh, it was a massive book. It was just probably 565 pages or something and notes and in the backgrounds and, and, um, something like that. I would get it. You know, Steve would say, I'm going to have a big book coming for you soon. Uh, so I would always try to get my hands on those, but that's still anyway, anywhere from four days to two weeks, we, two weeks would be a blessing to really to ever have to look at the book. So they just come to me and then I, you know, get on it as soon as I can. That's what I spend my evenings doing. And you're not so, paid for that time. Is that right, Aaron? That is your own time. Yeah. And anytime we, we're just prepping the book so that we know where the story is going and any potential language issues, which we have, are, like I said in this morning's presentation, so lucky to have such wonderful editors who do all the heavy lifting on the research. I like to know what's coming ahead of time just so that I can not be afraid of it or hesitate when I get into the studio. <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, no, we don't get paid for the prep time. So questioners, if you would give your names and also tell us where you're from, that would be really good. And Byington. I don't have a question per se, but I'd like to share where are something. Where you from, Anne? There might be somebody I'm in the sorry. world who doesn't know. I'm sorry. They, they know Michael. They don't know me. I'm from Topeka, Kansas. I used to teach a college readiness course in the old days before we had the internet and all that stuff. And I remember telling my students, and I say this to people often, just because you're sighted does not mean you can read out loud to people. 
And now I've decided that just because I'm blind and listen to readers does not mean that I can read out loud to people. And I really enjoyed your presentation. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I do think, though, that uh, reading out loud uh, improves with practice. (laughs) And after however many books it is, you know, I I hope I still, you know, get twisted up. It's just my own little hypercritical nature. I still, you know, want to do the best job I can do and want to make sure I'm not uh, being disconnected or overbearing. You know, I I, uh, I know there's been discussion a lot about, um, you know, how much how much you want us to flesh it out. Uh, what I did this morning to me was, you know, pushing it. <laughs> I, you, I could be a lot more neutral, and I know that that type of reading is completely accepted. And um, but. Um, but it, it, how can I possibly know how many different people would want to hear something, you know? So I just kind of go with my gut and, and experience. But I, I definitely think you can improve with reading aloud the more you do it. Awesome. Miss Monica. Yes, the next person is Mary Heroyan. Hi, this is um, Mary from Worcester, Massachusetts. And Erin, you are probably my favorite um, narrator. So thank you for all your wonderful reading. I think maybe my favorite book you've ever done was The Tenderness of Wolves by Steph uh, Penny. You did a wonderful job yeah. on that. But and you I, I think you have struck the perfect balance with, you know, wonderful reading and not over overdoing it, not being theatrical. Because, you know, when I read a book, I want to just hear the words of the of the writer. I don't need it, you know, to be acted out. And you, sure, you certainly sure. don't don't do that. And I just wanted to mention that one of the committees of our organization, the Multicultural Affairs Committee, is going to be doing the book as a as a focus call in August called The Warmth of Other Suns, The oh Great Migration. Gosh. And you did that. You did that. So oh. you did a wonderful, wonderful um, that, job That's on an that. amazing book. And I got to see that author speak here. Um, just amazing. Oh, you did. Oh, wonderful. I'd love yeah. to hear her speak. Um, I mean, that's just a monumental historical chronicle. And you did just a perfect narration of that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. So thank, thank you, Mary. Miss Monica. Misty K, you should unmute yourself. Hi there. Uh, first of all, it is uh, an honor to be able to talk to you today. Um, I really appreciate your time. Uh, a couple quick comments, maybe a couple quick questions. I'll try to be brief. So uh, I will say, though, it was great to get a preview of your reading of Anna Karenina because I'm planning on making a dive into Russian literature here very soon. So I'm sure I'll be able to read or to read, to listen to read slash read uh, the rest of your work. So that's great. really great. And I must say also that um, you made me a little weepy. I mean, it was a tremendous presentation. So it was great. Kirby. Thanks for that. A uh, couple of questions that might be a bit nerdy, a little bit technical, but my first involves cadence. Um, maybe I'm just imagining it, but I noticed you and a lot of readers, probably to help people who are reading more quickly, I would expect, uh, tend to put pauses or commas, <laughs> even if they're not in the text. It almost becomes, I don't want to say Shatner-esque because it's not quite that. It's actually quite good, of course, but it becomes William Shatner-esque at times. And I'm wondering sort of what sort of the thought processes are behind that. My second question, and I'll jump off, is um, now I'm a Latinist by training. And I, and you may not know this, you may, but I noticed no matter what period a book takes place in, 
that it seems that the classical Latin pronunciation is preferred to the ecclesiastical church Latin, later Latin pronunciation. I'm just kind of wondering, like, why that decision was made. Thanks again. Thanks, Miss. Um, let's see. The pauses. Well, <laughs> um, that uh, one reason might be the technic- a technical reason. Uh, the junction boxes that we have in our studio to turn the pages. Um, you know, if we get to the end of like a second page in a in a on a, the facing of a book, we'll roll back so that we can complete the sentence and then and pick up the recording in the next moment. And it's all for efficiency. But it's quite possible that some of us pause more than necessary at at those page turns. <laughs> you shouldn't hear it. You you should not be able to tell. And uh, our editors listen to that and mark every time we cut in with that switch. But it's it's very possible that there might be some uh, um, just at that point at that page turn point that that might be the pause. Uh, and every narrator has a different style. Uh, I know some readers read slower than others. And um, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. <laughs> I, I unfortunately haven't listened to a lot of my colleagues' work, so I can't really compare. Uh, I try to be as smooth as possible in my, in the, my cut-ins and page turns. And you might, uh, if you start listening to the very latest stuff we're doing, because we've moved to those EPUB, um, uh, you know, uh, eBooks, and because we're reading on screen, there is really no lag in the page turn at all. Um, I would have to guess that it was the technical reason, but it could also be just every narrative's different style. Uh, it's good to know. Now I'll be paranoid about my pauses. <laughs> and the classical uh, the, Latin. <laughs> the classical Latin. That would, for the narrator at our place, completely depend on who our editor is um, and how much they know uh, about Latin and how much Latin there is in the book. Uh, we did have, well, you know his voice, Lou Harpenau, uh, on staff. He was, we call, I called him Latin Lou <laughs> because if I had a Latin question, I'd go straight to Lou and ask. But uh, his background, uh, there was a, a point in time when he was a monk, and his background is in ecclesiastical Latin. Um, but now we try to pay attention to, does it need to be uh, classical Latin or ecclesiastical Latin, We try to, or taxonomical Latin? We try to, you know, pay attention to what it's, what the material is. Excellent. Miss Monica? Lucy Edmonds? Hi there, um, Aaron. It's great to get a chance to talk to you. And um, this is Lucy from uh, Michigan, Lansing, Michigan. Um, I just have a comment. I have been reading your books for years, and you are my favorite female narrator. Um, and you've been speaking about how audiobook narrators seem to, some of them go over the top in portraying their characters. And but by the way, there are a lot of... Uh, narrators that I won't even read because of that. It's one of my pet peeves, but you seem to be able to know just how much to to go, uh, you know, and, and uh, portray the characters. And so um, I commend you for that. Thank you so much for all your work. Thank you. That's, um, you know, it's, you never know I, when I get something more colorful, uh, you know, when I get a fantasy series, I feel a little more licensed to kind of go over the top but um, but I had to work very, very hard to try to find that balance uh, 
just just from the smattering of, of comments and feedback we've gotten over the years. So thank you very much for that. It's very validating. Erin, this is Judy. I'm going to pop in for just a second. You know, you guys to us are, are like movie stars, like rock stars. These names are names that a lot of us who are, shall we say, a little bit older. When you said Lou Harpenau, that just took me back so much. Could you mention the few of the people that you've known and maybe just say a word or two? Like, I never knew that about Lou. And that, to know that just makes um, things so much more meaningful. Could you say a yeah. few words about some of the people you know? Now, you know, you mentioned Carol Stewart earlier. Carol was not only the studio manager, but she read so many books, too. Right, right. Carol's an amazing, okay. dynamic person. She's a director of theater now and an educator of theater and um, has a lot of uh inspires a lot of people here in her classes uh, in terms of theater, takes them on trips to theater trips to London and really amazing stuff. And um, of course, you know, when I started, Roy Avers was still there. Um, Even Randy Atcher was still there. Um, He did a local television show here called T-Bar-V and it was kind of a children, it was a children's show, local channel. And uh, I didn't do it, but every kid in Louisville would go on that show for for their birthday, and he would sing a birthday song to them. And my brother did. We we had a tape for the longest time of my brother. The show was called T Bar V. <laughs> and Roy, right bef- not long before he died, did a pers- just personally did a recording for me of uh, a favorite Robert Penn Warren poem called "Old Time Childhood in Kentucky." Oh. And um, I was so so happy to have that from him. He we were, we helped him. Todd Hassan, who I mentioned earlier, who's been at APH for a long long time, um, had him record a couple of poems that he want that Roy wanted to record for for his posterity. And um, that was really special there near the end of his life. But um, it you know when when I I didn't start working there till 2001, but in the early 90s I was still acting in theaters around town and just looking for better paid work <laughs> and um, called the printing house. And they're like, Oh, you can't get in here. <laughs> you can't, this is in the early nineties. Like, no, you no, nobody's auditioning. We're not, we're not getting any narrators. And when I finally got in there, you know, there's people like Roy and uh, Mitzi Friedlander, of course, and uh, Butch Hoover and Lou Bruce Hunty, um, you know, who've been there, they've already been doing what, you know, they've, all, back then, they were essentially as far into their time at APH as I am now, which is amazing to think of. And, um, and you know, just such smart. Uh, everyone is so smart. I, re- I said it in my presentation this morning that I feel like an intellectual lightweight compared to many of the people I've gotten to be around. But, uh, and and I'm sure it comes from all the reading, you know, but also out, outside of the studio, their lives were just so full. And, um, you know, they just uh, had such great brains, retained so much information. And uh, I, you know, I'm grateful. I'm just grateful for so many things about my career at APH and for NLS and, um, and meeting those people and getting to work with them as one of them. Excellent. Miss Monica. The next person is Sharon her last name starts with S-T-R. I don't want to mispronounce it. Trukowski. Oh, hi. She's our, one of our board members. Hello. Hey, Sharon. I'm Sharon Trukowski from Worcester, Massachusetts. 
And uh, Aaron, I'd just like to say that I love your linguistic bent. (laughs) (laughs) And and I really appreciated part of your presentation today about the nuance of language change. Um, Mm. And I wanted to mention the warmth of other sons as well, because when I first started, I thought, I I can't do this book. And it just really gripped me. And the way you did the different accents of the various characters, black characters, you did not do them in a monolithic way at all. And that was really wonderful. Um, And the other book that I didn't think I would read, but uh, it was, and I don't remember the name, but it was about Katrina, uh, Hurricane Katrina. Uh, uh, oh, something uh, bones, something with the I word bones. I don't know. Bones. It was it was written by it was written by the woman who Sherry somebody or other who's still prominently helping out with our current pandemic. Um, and it was a nonfiction, but it, you read it so engagingly that I really stuck stuck with it. It was great. Was that about the hospital? Yes. Uh, yes five yes. days at Memorial. That's it. That That's book. It. Oh, oh I, yeah. I highly recommend anyone to read that book. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, five days at Memorial. Yes. That was really, it. really fascinating, heartbreaking. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it is interesting that you mentioned she's uh, kind of working on the pandemic now because, um, you know, what those kind of these kind of um, society changing catastrophes that bubble up uh, due to us uh, really kind of shows us our humanity and, um, and and we can't look away. You know, I think maybe the wealth of our world and uh, the convenience of our world and the privilege of our world makes us sometimes put ourselves in a bubble, mm-hmm. but things like this make you, you, you can't look away. You have, you know, you have to face it. You have to face what's happening. And that book did a, really, really wonderful, thorough job of showing what happened at the hospital there and right. um, and, and how people is- are, uh, how people um, can have good intentions, but uh, in a panic mode, even perhaps a uh, created panic mode, um, make them make choices that they would never make any other time. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a wonderful, wonderful book. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> I have a str- I have a strong reaction uh, for that book, and just for a moment, I want to plug another book <laughs> that had the same a nonfiction book that had the same uh, soul gripping kind of um, and educating, illuminating experience for me. Uh, I don't the writer's name is off my head, but the book is called No Turning Back, and it's about the situation in Syria. A reporter who was embedded with many families, and it is so illuminating about how uh, someone living in, a, in the Muslim world might become radicalized and also how the narrative was framed uh, in the media. And um, it's a it's called No Turning Back, and it's just an amazing, amazing book. And that's my plug. You just reminded me because I had the same visceral appreciation for Five Days at Memorial. Well, that's what we're all about, is sharing books. So thank you so much. And please feel free to share any that you think of with us. Okay. Miss Monica. There's so many. There are. Digit 7394. Hi, my name is, is Debbie Watson, and I am from Chicago. And um, I want to say, Aaron, I 
really loved your reading of Anna Karenina today. I have read it before, and I knew the scene you were referring to, but you did just a fantastic job. You know, she was having a child. She thought she was dying and, you know, thought forgiveness. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful scene. But you read it very, very well uh, and fantastically. And I really have enjoyed, like the other woman said, The Hunger Games. Um, I, I really enjoyed those, that series with you. I'm reading Owl Night now, and I also have Dragon Wick and The Silmarillion, which are a couple books you read. But I really want to someday see if I can't go in and just find out how many wonderful books you, you, books you did read, especially the ones that were mentioned today. Um, I have mainly a comment today. <clears throat> I really hope... I know that we're doing a lot of ebooks and I I can see, you know, the goodness of that. We do get good readers on that and I do read a lot of them, but <clears throat> I really miss or enjoy having readers that you kinda come to know, like Roy Avers, uh and I'm going back showing my age here, Yvonne Fair Tesler, <clears throat> Bob uh, figure, you know, uh, Bob uh, Askey, that's who I was thinking of, Bob Askey, Yvonne Fairtesla, and you, and you are truly one of my very favorite female readers. So I hope, even though we are going to ebooks, that we still are able to have readers that we can really kind of really feel warm toward, and that, and just, you know, really get to know, like the woman said, it, you're, it's almost like you're a rock star, you know, Bob Askey, Yvonne Fertesler, you, Mitzi Friedlander, uh, Crystal Allison, Martha Harmon Pardee, but you, I do want you to know you are truly, I love, you read with such good intensity, and you are one of my fem- favorite female readers. There. So I think <laughs> what, what you're now. really... What you're really talking about are commercial books as opposed to books recorded by by our old favorites, right? Yeah, the staff does use ebooks. They have to by NLS standards now to use the copy. No, I, I think she I think she means mean, commercial books. You mean books. audible. Yeah. You mean other Audi- yeah. you mean other recorded books. Exactly. Miss Monica? Yes. Sean Sean, you should be allowed Paul, to talk. Can I make a brief comment? Sure. Go ahead. Right after right, right after Sean. So um, the last book that you read was that I listened to was Gone Missing. It was the fourth book in a Amish murder mystery series by Linda Castillo. Madeline Bazard had done the first three, and so they threw you into the middle of the series, and it has Pennsylvania Dutch dialect in, which, which the two of you both did a good job with. But would that have been something you collaborated on, and how do you deal with when, in a, when, when you get thrown into the middle of a series with characters that you may not have ever dealt with before. And, and how do you, how do you handle that? Um, uh, we, we all of course would prefer to do the whole series and I'm pretty sure that the NLS patrons would prefer <laughs> one reader to do the whole <laughs> okay. series, but definitely the, uh, com- the way people were asking us to uh, say, thank you. I forgot. Yeah. The, uh, commercial world has definitely changed that, uh, for us. And, um, uh, so I'm, I'm so nervous and it just happened to me recently too, where I got the third, the last book in a series. Um, so usually, obviously if it's in our studio and not in Denver or something, then I'll, I'll go to Madeline and I'll pick her brain and, you know, they, we keep, you know, the research sheets in terms of pronunciation and how things are said, but I, I'm Madeline. I don't have the same narrating style maybe, but I can go to her and say, 
what did you do? What kind of thing did you do with this character? What did you, you know, what was your, your approach on this so that there might be some fluidity <laughs> to, to things? I know it must be very jarring to uh, hear a different voice in a series after you've been listening to a couple. And, you know, I, it must be very difficult. I I really loved when we got to do the full series. I loved doing all those Temperance Brennan uh, novels. I just felt like I was really getting to settle into a character. Um, but um, but the, the, the uh, wonderful availability of the commercial books on Bard and stuff, that's all wonderful stuff, but it definitely has changed our work uh, at APH and I'm sure for all the other NLS studios in that aspect, you know, where we kind of have a nostalgia for wanting to be able to do that. Miss Judy. Yeah, I just wanted to point out something that might be a source of confusion here. As everybody knows, NLS has been producing um, commercial books, commercial audiobooks for quite some time. But the reference to ebooks here is is literally electronic books that our narrators yeah. have been using only recently because of the pandemic. Um, NLS has typically purchased print books and moved print books around to to have the narrations done and and when that became impossible and LS went to ebooks just to keep the narration moving. Judy, what will Thank happen you, in the future? What will happen in the future about that do you think? Will they go back to print? That's a good question. I mean, I this that the, the how will how the new normal will be normal is a question about so many things these days and and yeah. NLS yeah. hasn't hasn't gotten to that point yet. Aaron, it sounds like you actually prefer reading from ebooks. Uh, I, I literally have only been doing it for a few weeks now. Uh, but I, I, and I was, I was nervous about my, the change. I was, I was nervous about the technical aspects of the change for me moving between pages. And like, I, I've only been doing really some interesting YA stuff, but if I get a book that has a lot of pronunciation or, um, uh, other technical verbal things, the editor can make notes when they're preparing the book, but I can't make my own notes. Whereas I would normally, if I had a book with a lot of foreign words, I would, you know, write in the word. You can create a post, uh, a note in the text on the EPUB version. But I, like if I'm doing that at home, I can't sync my notes with their notes. They, I, I can only draw up, you know, their note and their pronunciation, but it has to be done you know, it's not it used to be done on paper. I'm just reading it. I'm reading the diacritics above the word as I'm reading, and right. it became second nature. So I'm I'm curious to see if I ever get a book of that nature again, <laughs> if I will, uh, how it will go. But if if the past three weeks is any indication, it'll probably be smoother than I imagine it will be. Excellent, Miss Monica. Yes, before I go on, I just want to let you know for security reasons, if your name does not show a name or a phone number, I will not allow you to talk. The next person is Donna Siren. Donna, you should be allowed to speak. Suspense. It's okay, let's see. Donna, you should be unmuted. She's not from where she used to be from. Okay, I'll go on to the next person. Let's go on, yes. Shannon, you should be allowed to talk. There you are. Hello. Um, so, hi. Um, so I wanted to say, first of all, and who that, are you, please? Oh, I'm who sorry. My name is Shannon. I'm from Federal Way, Washington. Okay. And I actually work at an NLS uh, network library, but I'm off today because I have a dentist appointment. So I'm very happy to be able to listen to this session. 
Um, I wanted to, I wanted to say that um, one comment and one question. My book, the book that that brought me to your or you to my um, mind, Erin, was uh, actually not anything very, uh, very. Uh, classical or heavy it was good in bed by jennifer weiner um, <laughs> and i really felt like like you embodied that character perfectly and i was just like oh i need to listen to everything this this lady has ever read after that and of course since you've read so many books that is not a thing i've done um but my, <laughs> but my question is um so because of the the quick production time um if you ever get a book that maybe you don't love as much as I assume that you loved reading Good in Bed by Jennifer Weiner because <laughs> I did. Um, like, are you, like, is that ever something, like, if you come across a book that you really just don't like, how do you, how do you push through that to get to, you know, to, to make sure that that does not ever come, come across when we hear it? After so many years, it really is just like throwing a switch off in my brain. I just tell myself, I don't have to make a judgment on this book. <laughs> My job is to serve the text, what's written on the page in front of me and the characters and the plot. I, it, it, after so much time, it really is just flipping a switch. Uh, I've never turned down a book. Uh, and, and it's happened where the narrator has been you know, asked to do a book and they look at the material and say, no, no, no. And they just pass it on to the next narrator, usually me. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, I, I I have to keep in mind that no matter what I'm reading, somebody out there is going to want to read it. And I just have to let go of my judgment. It's a, it's been a great lesson in that I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not a real um, snob about literature. I, I mean, you can probably tell by what I'm saying, the kind of thing I like. Uh, and then I'm just proud to have been able to do a couple of classical things, but um uh you know, it's not it's not my place to judge the material. I, that's not my place. Miss Monica. All right, last four digits, six, five, three, one. Oh, you should be unmuted. Oh, there we go. Jennifer. Hello, uh, Aaron. Hello. Yes, this, this is uh, Brent Ford. I uh, just wanted to... Uh, and where are you I, from, Brent? Uh, Brent, where are you from? I was like, I'm from uh, uh, now I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. Um, but I remember uh, calling you and talking to you about uh, Mitzi Friedlander, a friend of mine, Cecilia and I, we both uh, called you, and um, I remember talking to you, and you said your Kentucky as were coming up, but uh, <laughs> you don't hear those as much when you narrate. But uh, you do. Um, but yeah, we we talked to you, and it was uh, very pleasurable. And then I called and left a message for uh, Mitzi Friedlander, and uh, at her retirement party, the uh, right. question I the question I had was. Uh, uh, I don't know if you know, but a lot of the, uh, at least two or three of the, the older narrators um, who, I don't know if any of them are still living, uh, uh, Ralph Bell, Catherine Byers, uh, um, I know Colleen Delaney did some stuff with uh, graphic audio. I don't know if she did any old radio, but uh, uh, Ralph and uh, Catherine both did old radio stuff. And I was wondering if any of these uh, old narrators who are still living, do they still uh, pop in and... Uh, say hi or do any kind of part-time narration or anything like that or um, not in the past uh, and i actually the, i don't know the names those must be folks from another studio that you new mentioned york. Um, new york but 
but even the like Mitzi is, is is still with us, but she's gotten much older, so she doesn't. She used to pop in and have lunch periodically with people after their sessions and stuff, but um, but not so much in the past few years. There's there's been a definite youthening of the whole staff. <laughs> Ralph it's was so in New weird York. to think I, I'm one of the old ones now. <laughs> Ralph has been gone for several years now. He was in New York. Yep. Thanks, Larry. Uh, Monica. 7166. You should be unmuted. Hello, this is Anna Shell, and I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. And um, actually, you've answered my question already, but I just want to say what a privilege it was to get to hear you today. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Anna. I had asked you about if you ever uh, had turned down a, a book or if you could, if you had that option. Uh, I, I, I suppose we have that option because I know it's been done. <laughs> um, there's definitely things that stretch my, um, like, I, I don't know if you noticed, and maybe it doesn't bother you all, but um, the romance has gotten much smuttier. <laughs> uh, and not it's not just that, it's that, you know, what used to be a three-page love scene now goes on for 12 pages. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Sometimes longer is not better. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That That's the only kind of thing that, you know, when I get the book like that and I'm like, okay, how bad is it going to be? <laughs> you know, but, but that's before I ever get in the studio. I try to turn that off in my head as soon as I get in the studio. Marissa, you should be unmuted. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, my name is uh, Marissa and I am from Sterling Heights, Michigan. And uh, Aaron, it is a pleasure to be talking to you. And I um, enjoyed your presentation um, this morning, as well as enjoyed reading, um, li- um, hearing you read uh, Anna Karenina. Uh, also, I wanted to let you know um, right now I am reading the first uh, book in the um, Hunger Games series, and I just wanted to um, compliment you on uh, what a beautiful um, job you. Um, did on that recording that book and I was wondering um, if you can share with us uh, what was one of your favorite books that you na- that you narrated I, uh, I mentioned earlier in the general session because someone asked this question and it's so hard because there are many and you know I'll go several years where I'm like that's my favorite and then several years later I'll be like that's my favorite but I really did love uh, the book uh, a State of Wonder by Ann Paget. Uh, I loved, I loved a YA book uh, called The Lost Island of Tamarind, and I'm blanking on the um, author's name. I, I spoke earlier about how the YA sometimes is surprisingly better written than something that reads as, I mean, you know, has has it right on the jacket, New York Times bestseller, you know, and and often we stumble across this very, you know, small publishing house produced piece of YA. And it's like, wow, it's so sweet and it's so human and so well-written and the characters have such dimension. And um, I think sometimes, just like maybe in any field in the world, uh, when people just kind of produce, 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 um, you know, you can do things like get a little lazy in your writing where you add way too many characters, but you don't pay enough attention to plot. Uh, and, and I think, uh, it, it just kind of, um, you know, if you, when you read that much, as much of a variety of stuff as we do, you can kind of, uh, see the trends in publishing a little bit. (laughs) 
<laughs> and uh, and so I, the, my favorite books are the books, and and yeah, I guess you'd be able to tell if you listened uh, that. Well, you'd know. You probably can tell my by my voice uh, when I'm reading it how much I love you know what I'm reading. That that might be the only difference you might hear in books that I maybe have to turn that switch off in my head. There might be a little more neutral kind of read. Uh, I'm sure I'm guilty of that. I'm sure I'm guilty of that. <laughs> but um, books that I really love, I let myself experience as well while, while I'm narrating them. Miss Monica, Miss Lindsay. Please unmute yourself. Erin, um, I just want to say thank you so much to you and to everybody at and NLS who, for what you do. Who are you? who are you and where are you from? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm Liz Lindsay, and I'm from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, and I just want to say thanks to Erin, to everybody at LNS, especially during these last four months. Um, yeah. We've been able to just sit here and download books. And it's really, I think it has really made a godsend to our mental health. And so, so grateful for that. Um, I have a quick question. We do see a lot of the books coming onto Bard um, as being the commercial produced audiobooks. And I'm wondering if you have any anxiety about what that might spell for the future of NLS. And I just have a quick shout out to Lucy Edmonds. Lucy, you and I were at U of D together in 1973. And I just wanted to say hi. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I am, I am heartbroken. I am heartbroken. There's no other way to describe it. I, um, I thought maybe that I'd be like, I would get to the point where I'd been there as long as Missy Freelander and I'd still be reading, but I don't see that happening in the current climate. It really does feel like a large entity is coming over and, and taking over the production and flooding the market and, um, and I, I know there's, you know, wonderful, talented narrators. And I, I've even, I have 14 titles on Audible. I try as hard as I can, but I can't can't seem to get in with any of those guys. And I like what I do for NLS. I like the way we do it. Um, I like not being typecast into only reading one type of material. And odds are I would be, I, odds are I would be put into one type of material and, and never stray if I, if I go there, go that way in the future, which would you know, definitely help my income, of course, but, um, it so provides to, more, to uh, clarify, provides more, sorry. sorry, to clarify, and, and it, are, are you getting fewer hours now than you were, say, three, five years ago? About three years ago, our income was cut in half. Um, I would, I would read two sessions a day. A session is a, at our place is a two hour recording session. And, uh, but we, it was my living. It got to be my living for a bit eight or nine years in there uh, in the mid 2000s, early, early to mid 2000s. Um, but, uh, but there was a change a few years ago and uh, I kind of even remember what we were told it was really, I, I'm sure it's just the, you know, ability of, of the uh, publishers, Audible and Hachette and those guys to release titles, commercial titles for free. As I understand it, I, I may be not understanding that correctly. But um, but yeah, it was a it was a blow. It was a real blow, and also because uh, much like the layoff that happened uh, around 2005, no notice. We just we were called to a meeting one day, and then we were told essentially in two weeks we either had no work or we had half the work we used to have. So um, yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. I I I'm you know I have a little home studio, and I will continue to try to get work, but um. 
I think there's possibly something about being pegged as an as a unfortunately, and I know this is not true in all cases, but many of us have tried to get work at least here in Louisville, and we've had no luck getting commercial audiobook work. Um, and um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sad about that. Very, very sad. Sheila, you should be allowed to talk. I'm talking and I thought I was unmuted. <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. I am Sheila Young from Orlando, Florida. Erin, I loved your presentation this morning. Mm-hmm. I love all of the books I have read or listened to that you have read. Everybody has asked my questions, but my question to you is, what do you do in your spare time other than read books? So what do you do for fun? For fun, I am an avid hiker. I I live in a beautiful state and I can go either nine miles or 200 miles or 50 miles and be in a ravine with rhododendrons blooming everywhere and little creeks and streams and little waterfalls and uh, I have a big old dog who's still kicking, and uh, <laughs> I spend as much time as possible outside. That's that's what I do for my free time. Well, thank um, you. I I see theater and I see music in small venues. That's that's usually what I do. Thank Excellent. you, Miss Monica. Robert Carter. Hello, hello, everybody. This is Robert Carter hello. from College Station, Texas, and I have known a bunch of you on here for a long time. And when I was listening to you read um, a little while ago, Aaron, it was it was not lost on me that we probably are really messing up, at least I am, by speeding up these audio books so much. We should slow down and listen to that wonderful pacing because it just gives so much meaning. It's, I, I was an English major as an undergraduate, so I may have to go back and read Anna Karenina after him. Anyway, um, I know a lot of people want to ask questions, so I'm not going to take up time, but but my question that, that I was kind of wondering about is, is this, uh, is this job hard on you physically? Do you have trouble with eye strain or other, um, and if from sitting and reading uh, bodily issues, I'm just kind of curious how, how you do this, uh, if this is tough on you physically. So anyway, you all have a good afternoon. Thanks for taking my question. Thanks, Robert. The tech doctor. Uh, def- yes. <laughs> definitely uh, eye strain and uh uh, vocal strain, vocal strain, not so much. To tell you the truth, uh, even though we had that slash that still hurts, um, uh, only reading two hours a day is much easier on the voice. Uh, I, I know. I think there's some studios that will read like a full day, and I don't know how they do it. Um, it, it. It definitely can wear on you, and it. My voice is deepening as I age, which it's you know I'm still getting the teen dystopian stuff, so. And I always had a, a deeper voice than most women my age and most of the actresses that I worked with in, in theater. But uh, it's definitely deepened. So if I have to manipulate it a lot, um, I really notice the strain. Uh, but I also am, you know, I'm 53 and I'm aging. So <laughs> I take care of myself in terms of the, the sitting. I I don't sit much outside of uh, recording. So, uh, so I try to keep my keep mostly keep my back and my upper uh, trapezius you know strong and relaxed and everything straight and proper so that it won't cause me other pain throughout my body miss monica yes last four digits zero three one zero 
Feel free to. Oh, hi. This is Donna Siren in St. Louis, Missouri. But I first want to say that um, I just got through reading the Suncoast Chronicle series, and you did a fantastic job with that. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I was wondering what type of fiction books are your favorite that you enjoy reading? Oh, that's, you know, it's such a hard question because I don't have the NLS library page pulled up in front of me. And because my brain, I can't, it's been so many books that I can't, I can't, literally can't remember a whole lot of, a lot of books. I wish I could just list them for you. Um, I, I like being surprised. Personally, what do you like? Uh, you know, I personally, what well, genres? I, I thought what Donna was asking was about genres. Different. Is there a particular oh, genre? Oh, what you genre? Like? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I, I really liked uh, reading historical fiction. I don't get to do that much anymore uh, because, again, I like to be educated a little bit. I know historical fiction has plenty of fiction in it, obviously, but. Um, uh, as someone uh, caller mentioned, uh, having listened to Dragonwick, and uh, I can't remember that writer's name. It's not Anya Seaton, but uh, she did a series, a, a lot of historical fiction, and I remember reading those and really enjoying them. But I like contemporary fiction. I, I um, but I also, I can't believe more than one person mentioned the warmth of other suns because that book was so amazing. So I do like sweeping histories as well. You know, I just, um, I, I spoke about my love of variety in the general session this morning. And that's really the basic, most basic thing to know about me. <laughs> you know, I just, uh, uh, I, I, I don't, uh, I have a very eclectic musical taste and reading taste, you know, but um, I, I know there was a surprise in me about uh, not, I didn't, care for science fiction before I started recording science fiction for NLS. And, uh, and I, and I really, if anybody's a science fiction fan out there, those, uh, best of science fiction edited by Gardner Dozois, there there's some really, really amazing science fiction stories in those. And they're short. So that way, you know, if you're like, not sure you're on the fence about science fiction or you don't like what you're reading, you know, it's just the story. You can move on to the next story. You know. And and A, they're long books, and B, there's quite a few of them, because I think NLS started doing them at 15, and they're up through 35 now. Right, right, right. And the, Monica, the Pushcart Prize series. Yes. Yes. Ms. Monica. Small publishers. Hey, I live in Tumwater, Washington, and Aaron, um, they answered my question mostly, except... You know, I like the Audible books, and I do read them, and I've read some of them that they've put, that you've read, but they don't put bibliographies in them. They don't put any of the picture captions. They don't put, you know, there's a lot of, they don't put the forwards and afterwards and things like that. And if NLS ever went away, that would really make my husband and my husband, who's Mm -hmm. a library uh, works at, at the uh, library in Seattle. I think it would probably make him cry because uh, yeah. uh, several other people that I know, because he spends time writing down all the you know things in the bibliographies and things that you guys read. So I mean, it would really be sad if that should happen because they won't read any of that extra stuff, and that's the whole point. You know, it's reading everything in the book. You know, not just yeah. You should have access to that information. 
but thank you for what you do. And sorry that, you know, that you're sad because we all share your sadness. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Miss Monica. Last four digits, eight, five, six, six. I'm Marcy Brink Caney and I'm from Royal Oak, Michigan. And I know I've read things, uh, listened to things from, from you here. And I'm, I'm going to go particularly go look up your name under the, um, you know, you can pick out narr- you can pick out narrators in in Bard and the catalogs and stuff. So I can pick out that I want to see something about you. So I can actually go. Oh, I'll look at this one. I'll look at that one. But um, you said that you have done a few audible books. Then? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, okay. And then the, the other thing: Do you ever listen to books for yourself? Uh, since, since all the time you're reading, but do you ever listen just for yourself? Only in my life, ever when I'm on a road trip or I'm stuck at home sick. <laughs> but um, I'm the same way about uh, binge watching television too. I, I don't I don't do it unless I'm stuck somewhere. <laughs> I like to read. I like to read. Uh, I really do like to read a paper book, um, and I like to let my imagination meet it halfway. You know, when I'm reading. Excellent, Miss Monica. Monica. Vicky. Hi, I'm Vicky from Utah. And one of the things I want to know is how you pronounce the word forte, because we've heard it in many books called fort. In this the usage, exactly, it's not. <laughs> Go ahead. This is exactly what I mean about confusing rules. I know at our place, our editor will tell us it's fort. You say fort. You don't say forte. So that's why, at least from... APH narrators, you're probably going to hear Fort because it's hammered into us that that is the correct way to say it. I think your editor's wrong. Me too. <laughs> yes, Mary Ooh. Stores. Hello. Um, I'm Mary from Indiana. And uh, I want to say that I've enjoyed a lot of your books, Erin. And my question, my question is, have you ever uh, had a book where it accidentally went into your dreams at night because... I know I've done a lot of Braille transcribing in my life, like thousands of pages, and most of them I don't remember. But one time I had to do a lot of math, and I dreamed in math matrices for like two or three nights. <laughs> now, that's definitely happened. I, you know, I can't think of a book off the top of my head, but it's happened repeatedly, especially when we were uh, re- reading on a full schedule when I was doing two recording sessions a day because I, I would just go through so much material in a month. There was just so much swimming around my brain <laughs> and and also the kind of gear shifting, you know, where I might be reading a novel week one and immediately upon finishing that be starting some nonfiction and um, just the, the pace uh, and the volume of the uh, of the work just, you know, in my brain. It's what I was thinking about. And also my prep is done at night, you know, before I go to sleep. So. <laughs> If I was reading something disturbing, you know, uh, like from the perspective of a killer, for instance, I would like, maybe I won't do my work before I go to bed. Maybe I'll, you know, do this in the morning and then go have some fun (laughs) before I go sleep. Last four digits, one, seven, six, zero. Oh, hi, this is Josette Kernahan calling from Vancouver, B.C., and I consider Washington State my second home. My question is, which I've asked every narrator, is what is the most humorous thing that's ever happened um, to you dealing with recording books in the studio? Thank you. 
Well, again, I can't think of, well, I can't. <laughs> it's always about either a word accident with your mouth where you say the wrong thing and it turns out to be something either obscene or, <laughs> or um, juxtaposed that makes it hysterical. I can't think of anything specific. It's the kind of thing where um, we talk about this as colleagues a lot uh, because the proofreaders and editors as a gag keep blooper files of us making these kind of mistakes. <laughs> For their own edification. I, I haven't heard all of their clips. They, uh, they've, they've played me some of mine. But um, when you're reading and your eyes tracking along and you're doing your thing, it's easy sometimes. Of course, we're all human to make a mistake. But I know uh, I was reading an eco-travel book. It was a book about taking uh, vacations where you could help the environment. And uh, there was a line about, <laughs> well, I read it. I read it as it was, it was supposed to be you can track a moose. <laughs> no, that's not. It was supposed to be you can track a mouse across a driveway. And I read it as you can track a moose across a driveway, <laughs> which obviously tracking a moose across a driveway wouldn't be a difficult thing to do. And uh, someone told me. <laughs> moose tracks. Um, yeah. But uh, someone else told me about a, a mistake that people make a lot, uh, usually in romance novels, uh, describing a wanton woman as a wanton woman. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you pronounce wanton wrong or you, you had you've yeah. not been that word's not in your brain very often. So you say wanton woman. And then someone told me the other day about someone uh, describing like plateaus and mountainous regions as mountainous butts instead of buttes. Okay. <laughs> so uh, li little things like that will, will you know, take you giggling. Uh, I, I know there are more, uh, and if I, I probably could call up a couple of coworkers who would say, oh, remember you said this, and we laughed for two minutes, and we couldn't get you recording again, and we just gave up. But uh, I can't think of any right now, but yes, it happens. It happens. Miss Monica. Yes, we have Mary. Yes. Hi. Um, my name is Mary. I'm calling from uh, Denver, Colorado. So we have the Talking Book Library out here. Erin Jones. Oh my gosh, you were one of my favorite narrators by far. But my question to you, since we're on limited time, is when you well, uh, kind of segue. How did you become a narrator? But then the second part of it is when you're reading a book that is dealing with, let's say, something like domestic violence or uh, something that's a very sensitive topic. How do you decompress? Because there's a book that I read that you narrated that dealt with domestic violence. And I'm wondering how you decompress from reading such a topic. And especially, well, I, <laughs> I guess I'm just wondering, yeah. what, what do you do? You know, and thank you for everything you do, by the way. I, I miss seeing new books from you guys. So please keep up the, yeah. keep up the work. Thanks, Mary. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's bizarre to hear people say, "I haven't." I, I, you must not be recording much, and I'm like, I'm recording every day. Wow. <laughs> but um, uh, I have to obviously decompress when I'm reading something. I this year read No Visible Bruises, and um, back to back, I was reading about the death penalty. Though, like those two books just happened to come back to back, and. Um, like I was describing about not getting something into my head so much that I'm going to go to sleep and dream about it. I just have to flip the switch. I just, I have to do something different for it, make sure and get away from it. And I'm kind of a workaholic. I really like to 
put myself on a deadline and get things done so that I really can go into the studio and roll and not, you know, have any anxiety about how much homework I've gotten done and that sort of thing. But just to keep saying, it, some stuff really, really is hard to read about and heartbreaking. Uh, I find that I want to discuss these books with people, but, you know, who, who wants to have a visit from a friend where you want to, you know, talk about domestic violence or the tragedy of Syria, I just find ways to give myself a break. But it takes a lot of discipline because because I'm very focused when I'm prepping and getting ready to getting the book ready to record. Um, and, and I'm actually very busy. I have naturally another a second job and I'm very busy. I find I'm rushing around a lot. So um, so to combat any kind of um, stress and anxiety, I have really, really worked hard. <laughs> There's that word again. I worked hard at um, cultivating, you know, things like meditation and yoga, deep breathing, and just fun. You know, getting getting outside for me is a balm. I just, uh, if I get out and breathe the air and feel the air on my skin and hear the birds sing, I uh, relax. So that's usually my go-to for de-stressing. Excellent. Miss Monica. Jane. So first of all, everybody did sort of get my ask my questions for me. Uh, so a couple of real quick things. Tell everybody who's doing the gag reels that they could make real money selling these gag reels <laughs> to blind people, and that we should use. Maybe they skills. are. I don't know. <laughs> Not yet. I haven't found them yet. But um, <laughs> we should use the proceeds to go toward retired or underemployed narrators who are getting shoved out of the market by these talking book drama drama. Uh, Drama queens. Anyway, <laughs> um, another thing is, is it my imagination or did John Polk do some recordings for the Louisville airport? No, that's Jack Fox. Yeah, it is Jack Fox. Yeah. He did them nationally, too. I hear him all over the place. Yeah. Yes. And- yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mary Hawked. Sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. From Louisiana. Okay. Yes, I'm from Louisiana. And um, I just wanted to say that, like Donna, I love the Suncoast Chronicles, and also I like the um, Karen Kingsbury um, series, Above the Line. And I just wanted to ask, do you also record magazines for NLS? We haven't recorded magazines for a while, several years. Uh, I I did. I used to do uh, some Newsweek Back way, way back, I did uh, Teen People and even Sports Illustrated sometimes, but uh, that probably was a bad idea. But um, <laughs> we don't have a magazine contract right now, to my knowledge. <laughs> Hello, this is Heather from California. I know you spoke about this a little earlier, but I'm sort of in like a career exploration stage of life. So I wondered if there were any sort of resources to kind of look into this sort of thing, or if you have any other ideas for people who are kind of theatrically literature inclined. Thanks. Uh, yeah, this question was asked in the general session this morning. And the first one I mentioned was the audiobook exchange, create audiobook creation exchange. It's acx.com. And the reason I mentioned that one is, first of all, it, it is allied with Audible, and it sometimes can be a doorway into working for Audible. But it helps writers of all kinds, self-published uh, or not, uh, find a narrator that they think will fit and they like, and that will, they, you know, hear that voice in their head for their book. Um, but also because you can learn so much about recording at home and promoting yourself 
uh, which has never been my strong point. But um, you can, it has so many resources down to the what kind of equipment you need, what kind of soundproofing you need, uh, ways to streamline your your time so that, unfortunately, and even in the NLS and the commercial world, it, it really is a kind of turnaround business. So it, it even will give you tips on how to how to make your stuff move, you know, how to how to use your time wisely, both technically and um, prepping the books to read and stuff like that. It, it's a great spot to look at just for resources. Uh, it, it's it's exhaustive. You, you'll be amazed if you take a look at it. But I did read about a, a new company called Findaway, but I haven't looked into them. I don't know what what's uh, going on with them. And I, I'm sure that some of the users would agree that LibriVox or LibriVox, that um, that might be a way to at least get started to get experience and hear yourself and get feedback from people about your work. Right. And, and this is a, a company that records a lot for blind people. The books are available free and they're recorded by volunteers. So so you actually get a chance to and, and some of those volunteers are really quite good readers. So, Larry, uh, this is Larry from San Antonio. How are you? Hello, Mr. Johnson. Go ahead. I unfortunately uh, came in late to the session, so this is a two-part question. You may have already answered the first part, but I'm really intrigued about the second part. First question is, uh, what kind of books do you like to read for pleasure? And uh, secondly, when you're reading for pleasure, do you find yourself mouthing the words like you were <laughs> reading for <laughs> <or> recording? <laughs> Thanks, Larry. Uh, Outside of APH, since I do read so much fiction for them, I do like to read nonfiction, history, or poetry a lot. And yes, I absolutely, (laughs) I've gotten better at it. I've gotten better at not mouthing the words. But I used to even have to start to write in the sentence for the page flip. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I don't have to do that. Also, it's a joy to be reading something and go, I don't have to look this word up. (laughs) But I usually do just out of curiosity. (laughs) The last person is Chris Coulter. I have heard over time that some of the NLS, some of the NLS um, recording studios have um, voice coaches that either help you out when you're first starting to narrate or have continuing narration. One of them, I believe, was um, Gregory Gorton. And um, I just wondered when you were talking about voice strain, whether that was uh, an avenue you could go to to help you sometimes. Erin? Chris. Oh, yeah, that, that would be wonderful. Um, we, I think at our place, we've never had a, a professional or really any, any specific a voice coach. Uh, we have mentored each other for sure. And I, and I come from a, a background of theater, so I definitely know vocal exercises and stuff like that. Or what's happening to my voice? Again, it's mostly to do with age. It's just getting deeper. It's just getting deeper, and uh, it requires a little more muscular effort when I'm manipulating it for, you know, if I'm doing younger characters or if there's just so many. It's really hard when there's uh, a lot of different similar male characters, like if I'm reading something that's uh, kind of military where there's a squad of Marines, and I'm like, oh, and, and there's not clear character differences between them written in. That that can be very difficult because, of course, the tendency is to want to just lower your pitch, but you have to raise it back up again for narration or when you're moving to a female character. 
but I still, you know, I try to do my vocal warm ups and drink the lemon tea and, you know, try to do all those things. You know, don't try not to drink caffeine before you start the session. And Joseph, but, since uh, you're there, yeah. we'll let you ask your question. So go ahead quickly, please. Yes, I live near Philadelphia, and I just wanted to thank you for the interest that you take and your colleagues and how you keep together as family and are concerned that you maintain the personal interests that you have in your lives and always be grateful that you and your colleagues do that for each other. Thank you. Thanks, Joseph. Well, thank you. Thank you. We're, we're, so we're all very appreciative. Judy, so go ahead. Sorry that we can't take any any more questions. And Aaron, we thank you so much for staying a few minutes over and for all your incredible work and our best wishes to you. Many people on this call, we would love to have you as members of Lua Library Users of America or BRL Braille Revival League. Just for simplicity's sake, Paul, why don't you give your email address since you are the vice president of Lua and the president of Braille Revival League? Anyone on this call who is interested in joining Paul, may they write to you and send the, send them your name? Yeah, that was, tri- right that was tricky, Judy. Um, my email address is edwards.paul955 at gmail.com. So that's E-D-W-A-R-D-S dot P-A-U-L 955 at gmail.com. Right. And, um, so that, I, I, that would be we good. Will, we, we don't have I'll all... Send it on. Yep. Yeah. We don't have our fancy. We have some phone numbers for Lua, but if you would write, if anybody on this call wants to be a member, we would love to have you as members. 